Welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Sports fans, golf fans, or just fans, welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. Been a couple of weeks, Max. We've been busy boys uh, taking a breath. You got a week off. <laughs> busy boys. I get like hyenas come at me. When am I going to new podcast? And I'm like, Shane's in the Olympics. <laughs> Leave him alone. One, one of my favorite things of the last two weeks of the Olympic coverage is when you said is, I don't know. I don't know. Sh- Shane's now an Olympian. I'm like, ah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Sports fans, golf fans, it. Olympians. <laughs> Olympians are part of it. Um, can I start with a story that I've been waiting to tell you for like two weeks? I've been waiting to hear it. So hit me. All right, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the story on a downer, okay? Here's what, I'm going to start it on a downer. Well, the podcast is starting low. Here you go. So a couple of weeks ago, I might have played my last competitive <laughs> round of golf that I'm ever going to play again. And that's how I'm going to start this conversation. So since moving here up to Connecticut in January, I just playing less golf. And I'm, I'm rarely practicing. I got to be honest, it's not just a move. I wasn't practicing nearly as much over the last year or so living in Arizona. When you have a new child, your first child, and you want to be around, you know, and you want to be around him and your family, golf is a hobby that could take a hit, especially going and practicing. Like, I'll still go play, play nine holes, play 18 holes, but I'm noticing that my my interest in going out to practice and grinding my golf game is waning, okay? Um, so, I played a qualifier for the Connecticut Open, and I got in. So, I'm also prepping for these two weeks of Olympic coverage. You know, I was doing double dipping. I'm doing live from in the evenings. I'm also doing some of the live golf. So a lot of like research prep, getting to know the golf course, all that stuff. So I didn't have a lot of time to, to, to really <laughs> refine my game. All right. So first round is the Monday of Olympic week. And I don't have any duties Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, or Wednesday evening. I did, but I was like, I'm going to play Monday, Tuesday. It's 54 hole open. If I somehow make the cut, I'll go out. I'll try to go out Wednesday. And if I have to WD, I have to WD, whatever. It's fine. So Sunday night, night before first round, your friend, my friend, everybody's friend, if they knew him, Joshua Greenberg, who, for those that don't know, is my friend that at the age of 19 moved to Las Vegas to be a professional gambler and has lived there ever since. Greenberg's texted me that he got the shanks that day playing golf. Good. And he was telling me he's talking about how he's taking he's going to take time off. You know, I mean, this is a recreational golfer. This he's probably like a 12 <laughs> handicap. Like he doesn't have any interest in grinding on his golf game. He got the shanks. I'm trying to talk him off the ledge. Hey, man, you know, they always say a shank is pretty close to a great swing. Um, Which you know, maybe is just, the dumbest. It's so bullshit. Such dumbest. bullshit. That is coming bullshit. from someone who just shanked it. By the way, are you holding a razor right now? <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just playing with it. Yeah, he was, by the way, Max is just doing some Gillette stuff. It's a box cutter. It's a box cutter. It's a box cutter. Don't shave with that thing. Make sure you shave with a Gillette razor. It's not strong um, enough. So, here's this getting, here's this getting <laughs> pretty thick, thick. Thick boy. So, he's telling me all this stuff about shanking. Now, I'm fairly <laughs> confident. I mean, you've played golf with me. I'm more of a guy that, that hits it more on the toe than the heel. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever hit a shank in a tournament in my life. Now, I've hit some awful golf shots in my life at tournaments, trust me. But I'm not sure if a shank's ever been one of them. So I'm a little bit nervous playing Connecticut Open. Hadn't played anything like this in a while. Uh, get off. I, mean, I make this great up and down on one, make make par. Second hole's a par three, make like a 30-footer. Okay, I'm one under through two. Kids rolling. My buddy Ross Malloy, who's a member of the clubs out there watching, um, he's following me around. We're chatting on 3T. So one under through five. And there's a leaderboard, and like three under is low. Yeah. 
Now I'm not on said leaderboard early, but <laughs> you're a leaderboard adjacent. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like they I'm, had your I mean, name in one of their hands yeah, ready to if, put you on the. If leaderboard. there were push notifications, Sydney might yes. got a push notification. Hundred uh, percent. So next hole, par four, some bunkery, and I hit a three iron, perfect, perfectly positioned. Again, one under par, no bogeys. Less than driver. Less than driver, my favorite term. And I have 150 yards to a left hole location. Like I'm just gonna kind of hit like a <laughs> nine iron. You know, just hit a nine iron. Just that seems like the bad. It's probably not wedge. Max, I cold shank it <laughs> straight left out of bounds. Only I was oh, thinking about. No. Listen, I was thinking about this after. I think this is the only hole where there was out of bounds oh, left. No. Okay, so I not only shake it out of bounds, but one of the guys I was playing with after who was cool is like, yeah, and you also like hit a house. Did you hear that? I was like, <laughs> I didn't hear the. I didn't hear that. I was just. So, you know, I mean, have you ever shanked one in a tournament? Have you ever like a cold on like super nozzly shank before? Yeah. Bay Hill. I hit this shank that hit oh a my God, TV that tower. Count. That doesn't count. That's a, that was, I'm talking like a full swing one, not you trying to be cute and hitting something out of gross rough. No, no, okay. I haven't. So, so middle, I'm I mean, really middle, nervous to go practice. Yeah, I'm really, right by now. the way, I don't think I would tell you this story if you were playing next week. I've got practice in like an hour. So cold, cold off the hot a lot of bounds off a house so i mean i don't know what to do like i don't i don't know how to react <laughs> i you know i grab a ball i hey i don't say provisional i mean there's no reason to say we know that. where it is we, it's not lost we're, it's we're just good. gone <laughs> <laughs> so i hit it up there i make triple i mean i'm, I'm like my buddy ross is over the green wait, wait, just wait, like, what was what was the second because they say the hardest on golf is what, the, do, what do you think where did do you, you think it went? did you tunk, chunk pull it right Oh, toe chunk straight right. on the toe, <laughs> right over a bunker. Don't get it up and down. Make seven. Um, and then I'll tell you this, though, and then maybe the most proud, proud tournament moment of my life. The next hole, because the front nine on this golf course, you don't hit a lot of drivers. So next hole, I have to hit like hybrid off the tee, three iron. I get up there. I've got nine iron to a left oh, location no. again. And all I can think now left, uh, left is fine to the world. I mean, you don't want to go <laughs> left there, but. I was like, I guess just try to hit it solid. Like, I don't know what to do. And I hit it right over the flagstick. Like okay, good, 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 good. But the whole rest of the tournament, the next two days, basically every short iron was a <laughs> over-the-top toe tug, either right of the green hole high or on the green 40 feet, which is like, you know, you're going to three-putt about half of those, especially yep. at this point in my where my mind was. <laughs> so that I think that is that was my my slow bleed to – I don't know if I want to keep doing this anymore. And I texted you a little about it and you're like, you know, I, I loved your advice. It's like, you got to just try to find your fun in this game. Yeah. But my fun for so long was trying to be competitive. And I, I think I'm, I think I've finally grown out of that dude. <laughs> That's okay. For just to, to sum, summarize, first off, sounds like Henry's being incredibly selfish, not letting you play as much tournament Freaking golf and practice as man. much as you want. Second of all, that is the worst feeling uh, in the world, I imagine. Everybody talks about how that second, the next shot after one is a nightmare. I've had a couple of times where I've chunked a chip and then chipping for the rest of the day <laughs> or week is just like you get over it and you're like, oh, no, this is what I'm going to do. I think my advice to people who do get them is go to the range if you get a minute and try and shank a few. And whether you do or don't, if you do shank it, that means that you have control over where the head is going. And if you don't, <laughs> it proves just how hard it is to shank it. I think it'll like recalibrate you back to level. But that's a frightening. That, oh. That's an actual nightmare. Oh, uh, I mean, dude, I, and like 
you know, for me, I was, I was like, try, I was like just trying to get off to a decent start. And I, <laughs> I'd done that. Like I'd kind of checked that box, like yes. a third, almost a third of the opening round was done and I was under par and that shot happens. And then I just know I'm not <laughs> mentally strong enough to somehow find a way back into the round. It would have been cooler if you just were like, Hey, I'm not going to hit a provisional. I'm done. <laughs> See ya. If, if, if I would, if I wasn't a human being that was somehow in the golf media landscape, there would have been a decent chance. I would have just gone, you know what? See ya, guys. I got Olympic coverage this week. I need to go get rested, but yes. Um, I, I've been, I've been, I've been waiting. I've, like I said, I texted you God, some, some moments around it, but, uh, that's how pain. are you? How's how's your? How's your I'm golf a lot life? better than the shakes. How's, how's your golf life? It makes my seventy four feel way better. <laughs> <laughs> how hey, how was last week? That golf course seems like watching Harris English and Bryson come down the stretch, and I know everybody's focusing on the bad. That golf course seems like it can eat you up quickly. Yeah, it's a it's a bear. Anytime you mix a Bermuda rough with uh, water, it just is because like on. I played really well Thursday, Friday, Friday on the 18th hole in the right rough. And um, we got a really bad lie, which was going to happen. And, uh, you know, trying everything we can to keep the ball right of uh, the green even or definitely right of the water. And it just comes out and just knuckles and goes left in the water and make double. And, and that's where the skid started. But it's just a, it's a, it's a bear. I played Saturday with JT and I heard him mumble at one point. Like, and he's won here one or two times. He's like, God, this course is hard. Like it just, it doesn't really let up. You have to be in the fairway. And I, I don't think the fairways aren't narrow, but they're just not wide and they're, they're awkward. I don't know how to explain it. They're just awkward. And but when you're in the fairway, you can eat it up. You looked at, you know, you saw Harris being 1800 through three rounds is absurd, but like it, you know, if you're in the fairway, you can be aggressive, but the moment you miss the fairway, double is in play on most every hole, especially on the back nine. And yeah, I didn't get to watch them, but I saw some of the highlights talk to people like it, it's just that that's the course. I think it's, it's the best TPC up there with sawgrass, um, at least that we play by a mile. And then maybe of all of them, just because how difficult it is. And I don't know how to explain it. It just can get you on any hole. You have, uh, you just have 11s, a, a short, part three that's uh, island basically and it's it is relatively easy when the wind's not blowing and then sunday they move the pin right and the wind's into and it makes you think and like you know i i i hit in the water a ton of people hit in water see who hit in the water for all of us he hit in the water like nine times <laughs> five times so five times so and then you go he broke you, 80 by the way i yeah, just no, played great he, he didn't he beat uh, he almost beat harrison uh uh, Bryson on the day. He like, shot he came 78 back. with a 13. I mean, yeah. you should, there he should birdied be birdied the next hole. <laughs> like that is unbelievable. Think about how hard that would be to do. And that's the point is 12 is the hardest hole on the golf course. And that comes right after that. It's just, it's, it's a bear and it's a really good golf course. So, cause I really do think that it, um, if you hit, like I said, if you hit the fairway, you have a very good look and you know, still work to be done, but you can then hit a good shot. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's one dimensional because everyone's going to miss the fairway. So I think it is to people's kind of bomb and gouge uh, argument about how, and I get it that they think that that's boring and blah, blah, blah. You can't do that there just because of, of that reason. Like you can't control your golf ball uh, into the green. Even if you want to say that the greens weren't soft, they were soft ish. But even if you want to say the greens were soft, guessing how far the ball was going to go out of the rough would have made water short or long or, whatever be like super in play. So you couldn't really play bomb and gouge. And um, 
you know, it's interesting. Like you, you really did need to hit really good shots. And if you, if you got out of position, you had to kind of pitch, pitch it uh, out to either the fairway or get it around the green. And then chipping around there is really difficult. It's got the most grain of any course we play all year. Um, you know, I was talking to Xander about it. It's, it's honestly a nightmare place to chip. So it's a good golf course. It's hard. Um, I, I don't know if it'd be all that fun to play for, for recreation <laughs> just because there's a lot of water, but um, it's good. I think it, it, it adds excitement. It's like half 18. the tour courses. I just don't want to play half of them. They're so Hard. they're so hard and this one especially so yeah like 18 you know it's crazy tee shot um if you sack up and hit it like i did it on eight on sunday and hit a beautiful one down there I had like a little flip in into the green uh stewart sink you know pulls us through it a little bit and he's standing in the water in a second shot and it's, they're not that far off of the of, 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 uh, types of shots you know or quality shots and one guy's screwed <laughs> that guy's looking at birdie and that's kind of the course you hit a good drive you, you, you think you're going to make birdie. You hit a bad drive. You are praying for par bogey. So it's cool. And that, that's why you saw a meltdown. Obviously, uh, there was a lot more that went into it. But um, I saw Bryce on the range as I walked off. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we walk across the range after you finish 18 to get to scoring. And they were warming up. And he did not look... Um, and not that I saw any shots, he just didn't look, uh, I saw him hit, you know, one and kind of like take a hand off it. And he looked like a little bit distraught. So, uh, when I saw the start, I was impressed that he was, he was playing so well. And, but I guess it caught up to him. Um, I don't know. It was an odd day. Cause he's obviously an amazing player and, and Harris too, but Bryson, you would think, you know, would be the kind of rock solid. And it just seems like he's got it all figured out, but that, that, that back nine was odd to see that score. So you said you talked to Xander and you talked to JT. Did Xander have the gold medal? Did you get to see it? Yeah, Tuesday I was at the course and I, I walked over. I was walking up to eat and I saw him on the left. So I walked over just to congratulate him in person. And he was with Austin, his caddy. And then I see that he had the medal. He was showing people. I was like, oh, my. So I've held a bronze medal before. Uh, Caitlin Leverins went to uh, Cal. She's a swimmer. And uh, she, when she came back to campus, uh, we did a little like we had a little group and she let us all take pictures with her with it. And it was awesome. And I remember how heavy it was, but getting to hold it, you know, the gold medal again. I mean, it's like the heaviest. It's crazy. Did he say anything about it? Like, was he talking about the week or anything like that? Yeah. Like, well, first off, they don't give you anything to like the medal doesn't come with like a big box or anything. Like, you just like you hand it to you. And it's like, this is yours now. Like, don't yeah, lose it. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Kuchar famously carried his around in a sock in his backpack. For it's like frightening. Four years. Yeah. Frightening. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Like, you know. Obviously, there was a lot of a lot of awesome quotes from like Rory and JT talking about how much now they get the Olympics and and all that. And Xander said the same thing. He's like, I was right with them. I didn't know if I even wanted to go, and like I didn't know how big a deal it was. And he goes, once we won, and I was on the podium. He's like, it all hit me. Like this is a lot bigger than I think it is. But it goes to our point. I was I asked him if our you know the point you and I brought up on this pod like two three weeks ago was valid. That is it because you know there's nothing there's no history to this. So like there. Like there's very little to base it off of. So I told him, I said, I think going forward, your win is going to be kind of like that starting landmark to, hey, I want to be an Olympic champion because, man, that sounds cool. Now, because we've seen this really exciting one that Xander had um, and and even, you know, Rose and, and Stenson and them before. Like, I just think it, it boosts. But for the, you know, the Americans, for the United States, like having a Xander American win the thing. I think it, this is where it starts the ball rolling where, yeah, I want to go that I'm not going to skip it. Blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of people did this year. 
or some people did. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it kind of goes back to you have something I don't. I mean, even Rory, I mean, you know, there was that image of Rory going back out to the green. Yeah, that was really cool. Shane Lowry. He's very God, he's cool, the best. He is the best. But, you God. know, he goes out there and looks at it. But, you know, you, I always think about this, like spending two weeks doing this and, you know, being a part of a team is extremely underrated. And when you're at the NBC studios and it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is, the entire parking lot's packed. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people working on their respective sports each and every minute of each and every day. And you're kind of going to do your job and you see how massive this whole thing is in terms of scale. And then you look at the numbers in the terms of who watches and the Olympic numbers are so enormous, you know, for, for not just the men's, but the women's, I mean, Xander winning was huge. I think American winning one and getting that gold medal and being young, I think helps. And then on the other side, I mean, Nelly winning, you know, for, for the women, it's now I have something you don't have. So if you're Rory, if you're Justin, if you're Bryson, whomever, DJ Brooks, there's still something that you don't have that one of the, one of your competitors has. Right. And, and now that maybe pushes you to, to join them as well. So I think it's super cool. I think it's only going to grow every four years helps, but that's awesome that he brought it out. And, uh, and, you know, it's kind of, I mean, it show again, it kind of goes back to the point that this is a huge deal to, to Xander to win this thing. Yeah, I also think it could be good for his career because he's obviously had a hard time winning uh, tour events as of late. Uh, majors, he's been he's in the mix all the time. He's what fourth or fifth ranked player in the whole world. He's an unbelievable golfer, like truly unbelievable. Um, and yeah, I think winning is winning. I don't care where it is. Yep. I don't care if he won a tour event or, or or his like local, you know, member guests. Like winning feels good. You sometimes need it to boost. And I think it could be a big deal for him going forward. Uh, speaking of Nelly, she's obviously really good, man. She's like she could be a, a, a the next biggest yeah, yeah. thing for a while, like possibly, but I got to say she intimidates the hell out of me, man. She never smiles like her post <laughs> round when she won. They're like, how was it? Like, congrats. And she's like, I, you know, basically was like, I, I, I made it too close. Like I didn't play well today. And I was like, you, you won. Like let's, <laughs> she was freaking me out. She, she's, she might be too much of a killer for me. Like, I don't, I don't, she was, she was, she, her swing is perfect. Her, her demeanor seems to be perfect. Everything she does is perfect. And then in the interview, she's just like robotic. I don't know. I need, I, I, I was getting nervous. Like she was, she's, she's a, uh, she was, like I said, she might be like the ultimate of killers. So I, before the year start, I am not a big predicting person, especially in golf. Cause we never go back to them, you know, whether you're right <laughs> yeah. or wrong, it doesn't matter. You can just say whatever you want. You can just say whatever you want and nobody cares. But before the season started on golf today, uh, it's a show I do on golf channel. You should watch it. I predicted that the Cordas would win multiple majors this year. Nice. Now, do how do we do? I'm one? asking. Well, we've got one. We've got we got majors. Oh, we've does got majors the upcoming. Olympics count? Does the Olympics count? Because it's. I mean, I need you. I need you to answer no. this for me. Okay. Because the women already have five they majors. Have five. <laughs> You're like really stacking <laughs> your deck. <laughs> All right, Solheim Cup. Let's make it seven. Yeah, Let's she keep wins Solheim Cup. Then, if she single-handedly wins Solheim Cup, so you're now you're 30 years old. Uh, yeah, I've already a thought hard about this. 30. So we are, are we seven years away from Los Angeles Olympics? Is that right? Ooh, yeah. Now that's Riviera, Max. So oh you'd be boy. my age now, which I, this is not a good sign since I'm, I just announced I'm quitting competitive golf. But <laughs> got it, the shanks at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Max. Oh, whoa. Whoa. don't shake it on. I'm trying to think of what hole you can't shake it on. What, could you shank one out of bounds at Riv as a righty? I could I figure guess it six? out. Four. Four, yeah. 
Um, anyway, let's not <laughs> let's, let's, let's play let's, this game. <laughs> yeah, this is a fun game. Let's, let's save this for next February. Here's a new flight we have. Where could Max shake it out of bounds? Here's a PJ Tour player. Um, you have seven years to prepare for the yeah. Olympics of Riviera. So let's make that our new goal. Okay. I'm going to practice today just just for that reason alone. Riviera 20, whatever, 28. Next time you get asked that question in an interview, that's your answer. Yeah. Max, what's your goals for next year? Next year? Next year, are you serious? Next year? I'm looking. I'm looking seven years. You know what's in seven years? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> hey, I, I, have a, I have a question for you. This has obviously been a, an enormous talking point. Oh, wait, uh, wait, wait. Before oh, we get that, sorry, I, go, really, go. I only had one, one note about the Olympics go, that go, I would like sorry. to get out there. It go. hit me why... Uh, golf fans aren't enamored by golf in the Olympics. It really, it finally hit me and why the golf uh, in general didn't feel like it was a big fit. When I watch uh, gymnastics, I watch gymnastics once every four years, probably. I mean, maybe I sneak one other day in, but I watch every once every four years for the, uh, for the Olympics only. I don't know anything about um, Simone Biles other than that. She's um, like an amazing Olympian. I don't know anything about the rest of the team. I, you know, we've gone through Michaela Maroney and, and all these people like, I, I know them for a year and then or two weeks and then it's gone. I root for them because they are American. That's the only reason I root for them. I the only other person probably outside of Americans I've ever rooted for the Olympics is Usain Bolt, simply because we had seen him so many years in a row that I actually became a fan of Usain Bolt. Right. Just because he was that dominant. He was it was an absolute menace in golf because we watch it so much and because there's tournaments on every week. We don't have national pride to our favorite golfers like Patrick Reed is a very polarizing golfer. He's American. Right. So I'm not flipping by me. I mean, like the general public is not flipping on the TV and be like, oh, American golfer. Uh, I'm rooting for that guy. Now, there is a possibility that people are only watching the golf in the Olympics. Like I watch the gymnastics in the Olympics that I don't typically watch. And I they think might Aditi, enjoy Aditi it more. is a good example of this, right? hundred percent. Like Aditi, Aditi bringing people to watch golf that don't care about golf. In and general, they're only rooting India, for right? it because she's from India. Like they are from India. Right. So in golf for us, I feel like it just feels like another golf tournament, which it, it is because it, it looks like one, but it's not because that's not what it's supposed that's not what the rest of the Olympics is supposed to be. And that's not what it turns out to be. I don't really give a shit about anybody's Olympics. If you're not American, just because that's how it's first off broadcasted. And second off, I don't watch swimming like throughout the rest of the year. Like right. it's a cool, ass you're sport. Not a, my sister you're a did, fan but I'm not a of fan country. of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm a fan of the country. And as everyone is in the Olympics of their country. So I think that's where golf has this odd, like kind of, I don't know, just hit me. I was like, that's why I don't think a lot of people are super enamored by it. Why we're looking for a new format or something. It's like, I like the format because it's, if it's going to be the ultimate prize, the gold medal, like the ultimate four-year prize, it needs to be the way that golf is played. Like it's how you practice it. It's how it's, it should not be some one-off. I mean, it could be to be more interesting, I guess, but like, that's not what the Olympics is about. The Olympics is about proving who is the best in the world at their sport. And it needs to be a four day, 72 hole golf or even 54. It has to be a golf tournament. It can't be a long drive contest. It can't be a best ball contest. It can't be a team thing. This is, this is like every other sport. If, if, you know, if you say bolt was running the hundred meter dash, um, every, every, you know, every couple weeks for his, his tournaments or whatever, or his meets, and they get to the Olympics. I'm like, Hey, we're going to mix this up. It's actually like, you know, 110, but you got to start backwards. It's like, okay, like, yeah, would that be kind of fun? Sure. But like, that's not proving that I'm the best at this that right. I've been training for. So and I'm not saying right or wrong. It's just, this is, that's why I think we had a hard time getting into it. I think hopefully going forward, we'll be a little bit more, more excited about it. But um, yeah, it just hit me. I was like, man, like a lot of American golf fans are not fans of Patrick Reed. And that would never happen in the Olympics. Like, I, I don't think most common fans 
would watch the, you know, um, I don't even know, track and field and look at one of our runners and be like, oh man, I hate that guy. Cause he blah, blah, blah. Cause we don't get to watch it enough. Cause as, as, as not fans of, of, or not, not super fans of that sport. We're super fans of golf. And I guess we're probably just too immersed in it. So my, my only argument to that is Ryder cup year. It seems like no matter who you are, when you're on the American side, American fans are going to root for you. You know, I always go back to, I mean, you couldn't find two people more different than Rory and Patrick Reed. Right. And when they're going back and forth, the American fans on site there are rooting for Patrick Reed. If you make that a general tournament, if you make that the PGA Championship on a Sunday and those two players are battling it out to see who wins, Rory's going to have way more fans, you know, following that around than Patrick Reed is. But I think that's the point because because in the Ryder Cup, um, and you're you're not wrong, but in the Olympics, you know, who won the gold? you know, Xander won the gold, right? He's like, it's still his name at at the top in the Ryder cup. It's who won the Ryder cup. It is only ever the America or Europe. So I think that might be something we know. We, you know, if you don't like Patrick, you know, you have to root for him though. If you want America to win, I mean, it's gone so far as a freaking trunk, you know, is a roots for Europe. now. (laughs) Like, you know, some people will, will switch allegiance, but that, I guess that's the thing you bring up a great point, but I think it's because it, he is serving the betterment of our country in that way. And in the Olympics, I don't think people see it as that. I don't think people get quite as metal count happy in the sports that they love. If they're fan, if they're not fans of that person, I would guess just because in golf, that's the same way. Like if I'm uninterested in so-and-so in my, in my sport watching, it's like, I, I was rooting for Xander to be Rory Sabatini, nothing against Rory Sabatini, but I, I know Xander, like he's my right. guy. Right. So I'd much rather Xander win, but it, it, had, it didn't have anything really to do with the American versus what is he slow? Uh, Slovakian. Slovakian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Slovakian. What, what is he? <laughs> oh, I, I used to know what he was and he just changed it up on me. Um, so that's the thing is like, I, I I'm rooting for him for a reason outside of like my nationality. Like, you know, I was rooting for Decky to get it done only like just not to win, like not to be Xander. Cause I wanted, you know, Xander's my friend first, but like, cause I like, he's in his home country and I know From how much Japan. that probably means to them. But like in general, it's like, I'm really just rooting for the people because we watch so much golf i mean that's the i guess that's why i I would root for rory over a lot of uh people even though you know they might be from my home country because rory's the man right so it's it's just you know i i love that you said the thing about it it needing this format because that seems to be the thing everybody loves to go back to when the olympics come around is what how can we change this and we do this about the fedex cup and i mean i've even thought we do this and and, yeah we do (laughs) it all the time we we always do it (laughs) but you know it's it you to prove a champion, a real champion, when you think about the events we watch, and this is why last year the FedEx Cup finale got so much criticism because it's not a 72 hole stroke play event. You're starting staggered. Now, the PGA Tour did that to give weight to the previous events, right? And the play leading in. But that was one of the reasons there was criticism there is it wasn't, it didn't feel like Xander won that event, right? If it had been a straight up 72 all event, it was Xander Shoffley who walked away with that. And unfortunately he doesn't get to call that a victory because of the staggered start. And when you think about the Olympics, we always love looking at the different format, but to prove a champion. And when you kind of watch and see the interest of this event outside of just hardcore golf fans, that that's what I find so interesting is the hard. It's like Twitter. You know, we focus on Twitter so much and we have to remind ourselves at time that, Twitter is this just just tiny 
dot of the population, like barely a speck on the map in terms of the people that are in this world that are fans of you, fans of me, fans of golf, fans of sport, whatever. And you have to remind yourself, too, that like my dad, who my dad pretty much roots for Americans just because they're American. I mean, my dad was in Vietnam. Like my dad is an American. Like he's a true. I put my flag out outside of work every single day. Like my dad told me he doesn't know Nellie Corda. My dad watches golf, but my dad said I was rooting for that American girl, you know, to, to win late because he's a fan of American sport, right? And I thought it was cool that, that Nellie had a chance to be the 100th, gold, 100th medal or whatever in terms of the medal count. But very cool week. Olympics are great. I really liked it. I can't wait. I think, I'm with – go ahead. So just to add to your to – because that was a really good point about the format. I think in, in when you change formats, it, in – at least in golf, I'll just use golf. There's always logic to it. So like you could, you could argue that the FedEx cup staggered start. You don't like, but there is a logical reason they did that. It's to try and because golf is a little more tricky. It's trying to give, like you said, the guy who's played the best a head start because that's the point of this whole thing. He deserves, uh, he, he doesn't, if Xander wins that and he beats DJ by one, like, it feels dirty, right? Because DJ won the whole season. That's what the season point race is. So there's some logic to it. So if you were to change the format of the Olympics, you would need logic to it. And the logic is the Olympics were not made straight up for entertainment. It was made to see who the best in the world was at every event. Exactly. And, and for your, and then it was also a national thing. So to see whose country is the best, that's what it was made for. So you can't, change format just for entertainment because that would that would take away from what the olympics is actually about i know we live in a world now where everything is to serve our needs and our, and our minds and yes we're used to things just entertain me the most you possibly can but that's actually not the root of what the olympics was about and like i just don't think you can change that they i want to see who the best is i don't care if it looks just like it did before because that's what the olympics is that that's what this is about who is the highest jumper who is the fastest and who is the best golfer i'm not i don't want to see a team event personally i want to see i want to see it like how it already was if you want to do a team event all also with the the individual event that's fine like they do with other sports but i don't want like a relay quote unquote for golf like i i, I want to watch the guy or the, or the or the woman who is the best in the world at, at what they're doing that's the olympics to me like the phelps relay medals are awesome but i mean the phelps moments that we will remember in 40 years from now when we're talking about this unbelievable swimmer in the early 2000s i mean it's going to be those individual moments that he had in the pool because you know that proved that he is the best individual athlete at whatever the 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 sport or the action might be so i think we're on the same page with that i here's what i wanted to get to um because this has been interesting and talked about a lot over the last week in terms of professional golf and it's yelling for yelling for please <laughs> something we all do that was good something we all do uh, hopefully i'll do well, um a, yeah, a decent a decent Fair. amount. Um, so here's what I wanted to start. I need you, Max <laughs> Homer, the professional golfer, <laughs> the PGA <laughs> Tour player. I need you to just, if you could, how does the process of four work as a professional golfer? Because as a as an amateur golfer, it's on you to yell four and you only, right? So how does your world work? It usually starts with getting stuck on the downswing ball oh, just God. goes way right. <laughs> Your arm flies out points in the direction it's going. And then you just scream four. Um, I, I, man, this is wild. We're talking about this. Um, I, I would love to know first off, cause the whole reason we're talking about this, cause Bryson and has got a lot of right. criticism. I would like to know if this, and I'm not even, I'm not even leading people. I don't, I truly don't know if this is a social media thing or if this is a real thing. Um, 
in the golf world, I'm going to play devil's advocate to my own thought. And this is coming from someone who's a big four guy. I even texted you when you told me we were going to talk about this. I had two amazing four calls where the guys in the group weren't going to yell. And I yelled because I had this. I, I could. I felt like I had a good depth perception on it, and both times <laughs> as it landed, both times Joe said, "Man, that was a really good call," because we didn't think it was going to get far enough to even gotcha. get near them. And I, I freaking called it two times. It just, it, it comes from a lot of experience, I think, not to brag. So, um, are you like a baritone? Are a, you baritone? Are you deep for? It's a, you-, it, you know how there's there's two types of panics there are are two types of fours there's like the four i'm gonna be courteous and like the panic four, like you're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) so mine changes it's higher pitch when it's the second one gotcha Um, gotcha. so i want to know if this is real and if it is whatever like it's not it's it's honestly i'm this is where i'll play devil's advocate four four on a golf course with your buddies when there's not a lot of people around is very very important because absolutely no one in the world is expecting a golf ball and no one's even looking towards you at all at all at all at all you are doing your own thing on your hole everybody's in their own world yep if i point right off of a tee and this is coming from someone i yell for so don't jump on me but (laughs) if i point right the marshals the volunteers then point their flag not because of me they should do it already but i'm adding another hey like it's going right. Yeah. They start waving their paddle. And then the volunteer up in the fairway is then supposed to basically say there's a ball coming, which is what four means. Right. Gotcha. So do I think yelling four is courteous? And will I always say 150%, I'm always going to yell four is a part is instinct at this point. Like I, I, I yell it. I don't know how much it does. Okay. Like I don't, there's so many people. Like, what does that mean? Once once the flag goes right and then the volunteer up in the fairway kind of goes, hey, ball coming, everyone is ducking. That is the most you can do. I don't see how me yelling is going to completely change that and, like, save someone's life. Um, now, I think you should yell it, personally. I do. As, because you're it's saying as a, as a as pro a golfer. Courtesy, right. yes. Yeah, yeah. As a pro golfer, you should yell. And if you're not on the fresh tournament and you do it you have to yell it like it's it is your obligation your duty to yell for like that is you better yell for in that case but i don't know how much it really does i really think that if it wasn't bryson people wouldn't be nearly as keyed into this i think that that's what he's got going with him right now people just will find anything to get mad at him and uh i whatever that's on him not on anybody else there people are allowed to but i when you really break it down, I'm not sure what the four yell does. It, it, I mean, shoot, the, everybody in the world is pointing. You know where the ball's going. The volunteers doing half of their job, which is that is their only job is to point, and then the other person relays the point. Like that's what it's for. Then yeah, but if I yell four, I, I don't. Again, I just don't. I don't know. What What are your thoughts? Because I, I mean, I, I, I see it too much, and we all yell four for the most part. But like, it just it feels silly to kill a guy for this. Yeah. I listen, I, I've, I've been on this for the last couple of weeks, maybe even longer is it seems like we're piled on Bryson for just anything and everything he does. Yeah. I'm not giving Bryson a pass for some of the stuff he said over the last week. Um, plenty of stuff. He <laughs> All says. the vaccines. Oh God. I mean, you know, just, just stuff he said and, and having not really an idea of, of really what's going on in the world. Um, I don't, I, I will never defend the guy for that. And I, and it's hard for me to defend Bryson in general, but I do feel like right now he's the, he's the PJ tour punching bag. And so, Anytime we can get on them. Now, I will also say this about yelling four, and this is my equivalent. I'd, I'd like to hear your uh, your thoughts on my comp here. To me, yelling four is like using your blinker when you're driving. It's annoying to do sometimes. It's unnecessary even. You know, nobody's around you. There's nobody on the road. You're on a two-lane highway. It's just you. 
but getting in getting in the routine of using your blinker means that if there ever is a situation where you it could avoid a wreck or an yeah. accident or even death then you're just then it's just a part of how you drive and create me, a good habit yeah exactly and for me four is the same way if you did like you said you just yell four because you yell four like that's what you do and you're not going to stop anytime soon because I don't think you would. I, I just don't think you would because you don't know how. You hit a drive, it starts sailing right, you're going to yell four and point. Um, I, th- I find it weird if a professional golfer or any golfer doesn't yell four on an errant tee shot, especially you know if you know you're going to be missing golf balls the way you miss golf balls. Um, I, I saw some people bringing up how many balls you know professional golfers miss on a, on a daily basis or a weekly basis, and – you know, I mean, sometimes you hit one and you know it's going to be in the crowd, and sometimes you hit one and you know it's going to be in the rough. And so, you know, I mean, I think there's a there's there's a fair part of that as well. But I I, I feel like this is one of those things with Bryson that we will yell about anything Bryson DeChambeau is doing right now. And I think we need to remind ourselves that sure, Bryson does some dopey things at times, but not everything he does is dopey. That yeah. that's my only defense. I, I I'm all in on that. I, I really think that. This this argument is a uh, this is a Bryson argument more so than a four argument because I think all the people all the podcasts I listen to all the all the Twitter people I follow all these people I know these people well enough through through their work to understand how they think and they, this very much feels like I don't like Bryson let me figure out another right. way to make fun of Bryson because I think if Rory did it. Um, like you would find a way to do the opposite. It's very similar to the thing that happened at Tory this year with Patrick and Rory. Like Rory had a very similar thing come out. Now I know that it got resolved and all that, but people made every excuse in the world for why Rory's was okay and and made every excuse in the other way for why Patrick's wasn't. And do I get that? A hundred percent, man. Like I'm not judging you for doing that, but I'm just saying that if you think about this four thing, it is silly. Like it, it, it is, it is unnecessary. It is helpful. And should you do it? Yes. But do you have to do it to, is it going to save all of these people's people from getting hit? No, it's not like it's just the, 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 the whole reason there's people up on the tee to wave is, is to see where the ball goes. For, for our benefit, yes, to, to help find the ball, but also for the fans' benefit so that they get a warning when a ball's coming in. And it's just, I, I mean, it's, it's just it's a tricky topic. It's tough. Yes, it would be so much easier, similar to a lot of things with, with Bryson, it seems like. It would just be easier if he just did it. It doesn't seem that hard to, like, right. not do this. And he, said he, did, like, and he says he does it. You yes, know, that he, was the that, quote that's that everybody his big pulled. issue. That's yeah, what, he, he, said, he I keeps always saying yell. things that are kind of just like you just don't need to say that that was the funny yeah. part about the vaccine thing i have one take of the vaccine i will never talk about politics vaccine whatever my whole point with this is to his thing is i i think at this point it is it is it is uh if he if you want to get it or don't do it but just stop lying about why you are not getting right. it because <laughs> it's clearly a lie everybody could get a vaccine if you want to get it get it uh if you don't just don't i'm i'm so over people pushing the agenda on everybody i'm i'm tired of people telling people what to do and what not to do from every side of the aisle but i am even the most tired of just like the lying about why you're you are not doing it just do it and don't and then like move along with your life it's your you 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 don't have to you don't have to uh yell at somebody about either either or you can just kind of like do your own thing man and like let's move along well that, that's i mean and that's where bryson has got himself into so much trouble especially this year is i always yell for is what he said you know i always yell for <laughs> you know this is a controversial subject he said that at john huggins when he asked the question and it's like but you don't always yell for man you know it's like i'm leaving vaccines for people that need them it's like well it's available anywhere i mean you go to any cvs or walgreens on the planet or in the united states right now and get one right away it's like no, you know, to your point, it's 
it's at least know what you're going to say and know what you're talking about before you get kind of because you're he's like everything he says now is going to make news. And I find it again. I mean, he's just didn't talk to media last week. Right. I mean, he just basically was like, I'm not going to talk to the media anymore, which we don't want that either. But, you know, I just wish he had a better plan on the way he would talk. That would make everything a lot better if he had if he planned out what he was going to say a little bit better, had people to go through this stuff with before he actually got in front of a microphone. Yeah. Piece of advice for people. Do your best never to use like never and always. Right. Because <laughs> it yeah, just I mean, that's puts a relationship. you in a shitty spot. That's a key to a little relationship, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, if you read anything about relationship advice or anything like that, it's like, don't say never, don't say always. Like, do, you know, you you always do this. You never do this. Like, that's bad for life. I, yeah. I'm with it's you. just putting you, it's just setting you up for failure. <laughs> Hey, I've got a good idea. We were talking Olympics earlier. I've got a flight good idea. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Okay. No. So it'd be a bummer. I wrote a lot. So I even did math on this thing. So we were talking. So the Olympics have, have finished. And as they're winding down the last two or three days, there's a lot of medal count talk, right? I mean, United States is leading in this or they're behind on gold medals. And then when it ends, like even watching Colbert last night, he talked about the final medal count, right? Here's what I want to know more than the medal count. I want a ratio because I don't know how many athletes go over. So if you Ooh. have X amount of medals, what how percentage? Many athletes, yeah, did yes. you clip So a medal I did the at? math here. Let me let me let me give you an example here. Oh boy. So somebody say somebody fact check this. Said please, please do, because this was quick. I was Washington Post <laughs> article though. So I did a quick search. The United States won 113 total medals. Okay. They took over. 657 athletes. So that is 17% of the American athletes won medals. So our wow. numbers should be 17%. Wait, but does that count carryovers if somebody won like five? Well, yeah, yeah, that's the total medals. That's total medals. Oh, I mean, I guess that's total medals for athletes. Actually, that would be, in theory, that'd be more medals because to your point, that's we have 113 medals, but maybe one <laughs> athlete won five of them. So let's just say... 17% of athletes in our numbers are that, right? Not not factoring in what Max just brought up, which I didn't even think about. Bermuda, Bermuda sent over two athletes, and they won a medal, a gold medal. Oh, so 50, Flora, 50% if my math is checking out. Fl- Flora Duffy won in the women's individual triathlon. So that's 50% medal ratio. That's the number I care more about than the actual medal count. Because I don't know how many athletes go over for all these countries, but let's say you only have 10 athletes qualify and you win five medals. That's pretty awesome versus 657, 113. What are your thoughts? I mean, I love it because I, I, I 100% got a medal because I'm zero for zero. Zero <laughs> wins, but zero attempts, which is 100% if my math checks out. So I'm Is that win. right? A, I don't think yes. that's right. No, it is. I actually 0%. happened to me in school. I'll tell you over lunch one time. It was a very funny story. Um, but I got zero out of zero, and he gave me 100%. That a boy. There you go. See, this is what happens when you're an athlete in college. You just get a hundred yeah. all the time. It was high no school was, and golf didn't even really count. Uh, sports, gotcha. so. okay. It was, it was high this school. This was God, a minor miracle. Um, do you, do you have any, do you have any flights stories, anything that's happening on the road? I have good idea, bad idea. Um, that I've been very proud of actually like put effort into thinking of something. Cause I've realized you always have the good idea and dumb idea. And I never have either. I'm, I'm just stuck in the middle. I just have ideas like not good, not dumb. <laughs> um, so my good idea, COVID it's just, 
it's it's ruined movies, Shane. Movie yep. theaters countrywide are pretty much shut down. Even the ones that are open here, I feel like no one's really going to. R.I.P. Tinseltown, yep. Let's get the drive-in movies back to be a thing. I know there's still some theaters. We'll get them back up. You can pull up in your car. There's no contact tracing. There's no nothing. Uh, you bring your own snacks. And we could go and feel like we're going on a date to a movie again or with your friends, whatever. Like, bring it back. And comfortable, like new car, comfortable seats, oh, yeah. recline the way you want. You don't have to worry about who's going to sit next to you, who has to leave, go to the bathroom in front of you. You could have, like you said, you could have your snacks in the console. To if you want to bring a, adult beverages, you could bring oh, adult no, beverages. No, Maybe. no, not in the car. <laughs> well, the passenger. You're not open container. Well, maybe they have a law. I don't bad boy Shane, bad boy Shane. How, how am I doing on all, all, yeah, all we, my we, flights? Let's, yeah, we shotgun beers in the car. <laughs> passenger drinks a beer. Your driver's not going to drink a beer, but the passenger could drink a beer. All right, let's. Hey, listen, no adult beverages in the car, but you can bring your own snacks. I like it. There's a drive-in theater in Arizona. Have you ever gone to it? Nope. I should now that this has been my good idea. It's a. It's a. It's not the right <laughs> time of year, shady. but in about in about. Two and a half months go. Okay. Um, I have a dumb idea. Hey, hold like on. Have you, say, e- oh. have you ever gone to a drive-in theater before? No, they were gone before my time. I'm sure you've been to plenty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just for decades. I, um, I've never been to one. I've always wanted to go. Um, I, I'm totally in on this idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. And not just because of COVID. I just feel like people don't like being around people as much anymore. <laughs> and this fair. keeps you isolated in your own little bubble. That's fair. I would I would go by myself. Yeah, I'm all in. And also adding jobs because you know what's a little job you could add at a drive-in theater that would be very helpful? What the liquor? Beer beer dealer or whatever. Like a beer no, like, salesman. Like the like somebody to come clean your windshield. While you're watching the movie, that's the right dumbest idea. Right before during the previews, they clean your windshield so that it's completely. Why are you clean. so anti-preview? No, I love the preview, but you don't. I mean, you could have a guy clean a guy. How or girl pissed would you be? Middle of the movie, and the guy comes up. Hey, I'm gonna clean your windshield right now. Five dollars. No, this $5. is the best part. Um, my dumb idea. Is uh, the windshield thing. Is, is the dumb? Yeah, is the windshield. Okay, so on the flight home, we we're actually just connecting in, in Dallas, and it, it takes us forever to take off. Ah. People are not, uh, not private, huh? Not wow. private. And Dang. people are, uh, people are, uh, there's some commotion going on right around where we are. I see a guy come up who I'm pretty sure is the air marshal. Like we're very confused. Uh, kind of like, you know, a little rustling, uh, people, people just kind of, you know, want to know what's going on. This flight attendant kind of came by us and goes, Oh, it's totally fine. No big deal. Two people ended up switching seats. It's very confusing. Uh, also to this point, you know, driving home, once I got to the airport, there was a, or once I got home uh, from the airport, there was like an accident on the side of the road and we had to wait a little bit and a bunch of cop cars, people were standing on the side of the road. It was very, you know, interesting. I was, I was curious. I, I, I want, when there's things like this, this is my dumb idea. Don't forget. So don't jump on me. I want a sign to be like, Hey, uh, this person had cocaine on them. And we caught it while they were on the plane. Or this person is, uh, you know, really hates the guy next to him and they want to switch seats. Or this person was drunk driving and uh, we're arresting them on the side of the road. That's why you're in traffic. I want info. Now, it's a really bad idea for a million different reasons. Privacy, all that. Also, rubbernecking on the highway would cause way more accidents, 100%. But, like, I get so freaking curious. I want to know. Why are 12 people arrested on the side of the highway? 
I, I mean, I think it could be an app. Like, you're, like it's an app that uses your <laughs> GPS, and it gives you a push notification. You just drove by a 200-pound cocaine arrest. Uh, you know, so, you know, Turn I mean, around. I, no, no, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't look. Maybe it keeps you from rubbernecking. In a way, this could be yeah, texting your phone, and driving. But, is way I guess, but I mean, everybody looks at their stupid phones anyway when they're driving. God, this person almost hit me. Shane, the other you day. might what? be the most dangerous driver. You're drinking in the passenger drinking no, in the not. car. I'm you're, not doing you're that. You're texting in the I'm car. I'm not doing that. All I want to do is hang out with a clean windshield in a drive-in movie. But I'm just saying, this push notification thing could work. But I'm with you. And that is the reason that the rubbernecking happens is we're all interested in what happened. Why oh. do we do that, by the way? Why do I we just know. stare into a wreck? It's so weird. I don't totally I don't know. understand it's, it. It's, it's just, you know, what is that saying? Car wreck, you just can't look away. And yeah, it's the most true away. thing. You have to see what's going on. Hey, um, how? Uh, so the playoffs are upcoming for you, professional golf-wise. Um, are, you, uh, are you gearing up? What do they yeah. say? What do they what is there a term that you guys use professional golfers use getting set for the playoffs? You zero dark 30. Yeah. You fourth four? quarter. Oh, yeah. you should go zero dark 30. That's a I good was idea. going, I was going to, but after these stupid freaking sponsored posts, I was going to go zero <laughs> dark 30. Your favorite sponsored posts. You love oh doing God. them. They're your favorite. It, they're fine. They're just like, like they, they're keeping me from, from getting off of Twitter. <laughs> so you were thinking about doing the LeBron, huh? For the playoffs. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I caught a really good uh, tweet thread. Uh, speaking of social media, of LeBron last week, of people like this one guy was just had videos of his like contradictory uh, like quotes and like things where he's like holding the Godfather book and they're like, oh, you know, you were reading the Godfather. How is it? And he doesn't. He has not read the book. Like oh, it, gotcha, he's definitely gotcha, not read gotcha. the book. And then the the best one though, uh, by a mile, was they're interviewing him. He was young. He had to be like, gosh, early in the league, like early twenties, maybe even still in his teens. And he, they're talking about Kobe's 81 point game. He goes, yeah, he goes, I don't know. We're sitting around with my buddies at, at my house watching the game. And I just had this feel. And I told him, I was like, I think he's going to score 70 tonight. <laughs> and somebody tweeted like, there's just, this is the most outrageous lie in the history of lies. Like you just, you just were watching the most lame Lakers Raptors game Raptors. ever. And you just decided that Kobe was going to drop a 70 burger. No shot. So, hey, uh, an aside. Speak, by the way, I know how we started this podcast with um, with the fact that I might be quitting competitive golf. But if we get into the Dumbhill Links as a team, then I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to bring okay. bring the game back. You I'm might actually bring, have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to bring it back. If if that's speaking. The case, oh, I have a second go to continue. Sorry. Go, no, no, just, no. Go ahead. I'm done. Speaking. Shane, uh -oh. of bringing back your game. We have the Wyndham Championship this week. Yeah, we do. Which is kind of the last hurrah for the playoffs. Some pretty notable names uh, on the bubble. Um, how do you like how do you like Scoff's chances? Ricky's chances. They're one thirty. I think we need a top twenty. I kind of feel like this is where Ricky thrives a bit. When you know this is this is the last one. He needs Listen, to lock it in. I think I think Ricky's going to win by the end of the year. So I mean, oh, I'm yes. I think Ricky Let's wins go. by the end of the year. I, I you know, how I, I laughed about the prediction thing and I say all oh, this stuff stupid. I got to send you this tweet I sent in January. <laughs> but if if Lexi had won the if had Le, if Lexi had won an Olympic, about ninety percent of the predictions would have been true. Really, I predict I predicted you to win at Riv in the tweet, <laughs> which wild. is which is kind of wild. Um, I predicted. Uh, the, I predicted Spieth comeback, Lydia comeback, um, Nelly, the quarter major. You were the most hopeful golf fan. 
You were Twitter's most It was all this positive stuff, and I said something about Ricky kind of in form. Nice. You know, it's been nice to watch Ricky find form. Max, give the, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but this has happened now with Jordan this year, and it's it's been a little bit smoother for Lydia, but, I mean, still working her way back to 100% in terms of her game. And now with Ricky, there are glimpses. And, like, when you were kind of coming out of the bad, like when your game was at its lowest lows and you started to see the positives, like you started to see yourself finding your way out of it, how hard was it to be patient in the process? Because I'm sure there'd be days where you'd shoot 65 in a tournament and the next day you shoot 73. And it's like, damn, you know, I had it yesterday. I don't quite have it today. How do you not let the 73 overshadow the fact that you had the 65 or you had the good two days? Yeah, it was actually more so like you would have a round where you were five, six under through 12, and then you'd make one bad swing on 13 and end up going back to two under and leaving that round shooting two under knowing that it was probably five if you just don't have one bad swing and needing to uh, needing to actually look at it less so like a 73 overshadowed a 65 as as one shot overshadowed a really good round. And gotcha. I don't know this, but I feel like maybe that's where Ricky's in right now where he's playing maybe some better rounds of golf, but they're one or two things are holding him back. I know a lot of, a lot of professional golfers say that like, that's probably one of the most common talking points I hear amongst guys when uh, not even just when they're struggling, but just when, when they're not winning, it's just like, man, like I'm just making one bad swing a day or one bad decision a day, or I have a three putt that just halts my progress. So I, maybe that's what it is. And, you know, I, I've very, very close to the, to the situation. Uh, I'm really good friends, obviously with Scott. I'm good friends with Ricky. Uh, I, I think this is a interesting it's just interesting. Um, so I, I've been paying attention and I've been looking at the rounds where I think, you know, this is maybe the one that he'll keep in the back of his mind. The the four under uh, bogey free round of Valero back in the uh, early in the year. I think that's one that probably sits with him pretty well. He's definitely been getting it going with the putter a lot more, which is good. Um, but you just never you just never know what the click is. I think the difference between Ricky's that's much that's very interesting is it is being compared to Jordan's a lot and for good reason. I mean, two of the best players I would say of our generation or of this generation struggling like this, it's not very common Two of the most popular as well, but Jordan never really fell outside like the top 60 in the world. Right. And he never really struggled to keep his card and, and Ricky or not keep his card, but make the playoffs. And Ricky is in that spot right now. So this is definitely a, a maybe a, a, a bit different um, in, in the, in the volatility of it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd be curious to, it's hard to get somebody's like true, honest opinion. I mean, like Joe Scoff can tell me uh, things about the round, but you never know what Ricky's feeling. So you don't know if like that one bad swing or, or if there was one bad swing that really felt like it knocked it off or knocked him, uh, uh, you know, kind of off the, off the, uh, straight and narrow, or if it was really didn't feel good and, and then never really like. It, you know, he held it together. You can never tell. So I, I'd be curious. I mean, I do think I've seen good signs of life from him. I watched him on the range. It seems pretty damn good. So, um, I don't know. I, 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 I think he's going to play really well this week. Um, you know, he, you can, you can get it going with the putter there. It's, it's a really pure greens and obviously he's a phenomenal putter. So, uh, hopefully he does. Um, you know, it's great. He's great for the game of golf. Either way though, as long as he's moving forward, you know, he can miss one playoffs and life wouldn't be, he'll be all right. Hey, did you have a click moment? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. Did you have a moment like, I mean, I, I, did it click for you? Was it progressively clicking? Like, what was the, when you go, when you kind of think back, 
to the bad max in terms of the way you were playing into like 2021 max, what do you feel like really changed? Um, honestly, there was no click. It is literally like, I, I, I can't even look back right now and figure out when I started to feel comfortable. Cause even when I was more comfortable, it was like, I, I slowly, I still wasn't hitting great shots all the time. Like, no, you know, I wasn't hitting it like I am now. So it's like, you still have some panic, but what change was is like in a weird way is, is getting over the mental leap of the scar tissue of hitting one really bad or one or more really bad drives around. And it was from my old coach, Les Johnson who did a really good job of it was like, we would go a week, let's just say, and he'd be like, how many foul balls did you hit? And I'd be like, none. He's like, okay. And then we'd be like another week down. He goes, how many foul balls you had this week? I'd be like, none. It was kind of like getting in your head, like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. So like, yeah, I might still have some really bad drives, but they're not out of bounds. They're not killing me. They're not ruining my day. So stop waiting for that. And like, now let's just go play some golf. And part of that was the, you know, the pumpkin Ridge, uh, the year 2018, I guess when I got my card back, but I didn't play well that whole year. I mean, I'm in like 60 something place on the money list going into that last tournament of the regular season. So I obviously didn't have a good year and I'd had moments where, you know, I'd hit really bad drives and they had gone out of bounds. I wouldn't call them the same foul ball, but it still was not very good. But, um, I, I do believe I'm good at the game of golf. So I was piecing it together. I had a couple good finishes, but I just couldn't, couldn't do it for, for long enough. And uh, I remember getting to that one and maybe it was the freedom of, Hey, if you don't do this, then you're just done. So you might as well try, like try and do it and like, let it rip. And I think it helped. Cause I, I, I remember that those last, you know, nine, 10 holes, I really just kind of like almost freed up in a weird way. But then after that, like still struggling to hit golf shots. I remember even when I got my card in those playoffs, like I hit a couple shots on these last three holes that were just so bad and not shots that you, you know, you would expect to hit and get through, but like, just kind of know, I guess just the knowing that like, Hey, if you just let yourself do it, and trust the rest of your game. Maybe you could get by, but as the season went on and we kept working, it's just as a slow, it's a slow build to better like mechanics. Cause I will always say like, as much as you know, you hit that shank Shane and like, it feels like the world's crumbling. Like there's a physical reason that happened. Even if it feels mental, it, it only comes up mental if there's a physical problem. So uh, we slowly kind of took that stuff out and all of a sudden the really, really bad driving kind of went away. And now, you know, we've made even bigger jumps. I would say this year in the mechanics and, you know, I've become someone who I think is a very, very good driver for the golf. I, I, I do not hit it very far offline anymore uh, for the most part. And it's like, man, it's like a, that's like a four year process right there. So when you look back, like, let's just use last week for an example, when you look back on the way you played, when you played well, and when you look back on the rounds, when you didn't play well, what do you pinpoint that as? What is the difference in good and bad now for you? Oh, from back then to, no, to no, now? No, 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 no. Oh, just now. Like, yo, just like, now. Like, yeah, like, yeah, just, yeah. Just, like, so when you, like, when you get done, like, I mean, you're done Sunday. I'm sure you're yeah. taking a breath. Monday, maybe you look back or whatever. But, like, what do you feel like right now? is the difference in a good max day and a bad max day. A lot of it is like the attitude in the fight, like um, just getting frustrated on Saturday too early and, um, and then just not letting myself, I need, I didn't have it Saturday. The weekend I did not hit the ball very well. My irons stopped being as good as they were. They kind of stopped on Friday afternoon. The driver was still good. The three wood was terrible. And it was just like, I couldn't get off the tee except if it was driver. And, um, 
and the irons just were like left and I couldn't stop them from going left. And I just felt like if I would have just been a bet, done a better job of being more rational and like calm, uh, and, and, and even keeled, I could have found like a, a shot throughout the round that would have worked instead of just being annoyed that I wasn't hitting the ball well. So I feel like a lot of it is mental, obviously starts with physical, but, um, so add attitude kind of when it's bad, like you just feel like it. Yeah. Cause you need to find a way to make the most of what you have. And I think a lot of that starts with attitude. If you, if you, if I told you before your round that Shane, you're going to, you're going to uh, have a bad day hitting the ball today. I think you'd go in there and be like, okay, how am I going to get through this? But right. when it kind of shocks you, cause you've been hitting it so well as I had the, that week and the week before and, and the tournament before, like I was like all of a sudden hitting this pole that I don't really hit. And I'm like, I'm like a more, I wasn't ready for it. And it jumped up at me. And then next, you know, like I'm not doing, I'm not hitting the right shots. I'm trying to hitting, I'm hitting, um, shots that, that don't fit how I'm feeling at that moment. So it's like, so, so stuff like that. Now, uh, again, more consistency with the mechanics and stuff here and there. And if my short game could get a bit better, a lot better, that would help a lot because it would, it would mitigate a lot of the, the issues. Like on Sunday morning, I chipped it really well to start the day. Short game did around, made a lot of putts. And I was one under through nine with no bogeys. And I hadn't hit a lot of greens, but I felt really like uh, upbeat. And then, you know, then you hit a, I hit in the water on 11, make double. And all of a sudden now the world's crashing down because it's like, um, you know, I couldn't do anything to help myself. And so typically the short game can save you a little bit. And that's how I saw those first nine, 10 holes. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting because obviously like you want to keep getting better physically, but everyone's going to have times where it's just not going to be on. And, um, you got to find a way to make the most of that. And if I had, like I said, better short game and then a better attitude, I feel like they, they would, they would really kind of hold hands and help each other out. When you, you've been working so much on mental this year, like when you talk about attitude like that, do you, are you trying to find ways on the golf course to kind of keep yourself from dipping? You know what I'm saying? To, yeah. To keep that from, cause I love what you said about the, I think that's such a smart way of looking at it. If you started today, if you said to me, Hey, you're going to hit five fairways today, then I would go out as taking that as a challenge. You know, I would, I would go out going, all right, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll try to figure out how I can shoot even par by hitting five fairways, you know? And, yeah. and instead of, in the round going, I've only hit three fairways. What's exactly. going on? I, I love the way to, to think about it from that perspective, but what are you kind of trying to do to find a way? Like I, I was watching you on PJ to live on Sunday and you may, I think it was nine. You make like a 20 footer say par, or is that nine? Yeah. Or was that? Yeah. Yeah. And you made this long putt and you, you kind of smirked. Like I could tell you were kind of like, all right, well, that was a nice four. And, um, and you go to 10 T. So you obviously are in a good headspace there because you hadn't had it and you played well. So how do you keep yourself from post 11th, you know, water ball, finding a way to kind of motivate yourself for those last day holes. Yeah. I, I don't, the answer to that is I don't know. Um, okay. I definitely think the preparing for kind of the bad before the round would help and nearly like expecting that. So you're ready for it. Cause I, what I felt like was Saturday, I was not expecting it at all. And I put too much pressure on myself and went South and dark and couldn't stop. And then, and it was just a bad day on every account. And, um, I was annoyed by my mental game because that's what I've been preaching. And I did a horrible job. Then Sunday I never got dark, but on like, it's almost like I was waiting. I, it's almost like I needed to put together a perfect round of golf for me to keep my attitude good. Cause I was so far out of it. And I was still so mad about the day before. Right. And I was mad that I wasn't hitting it. Well, I was just mad about things that are uncontrollable and I was not controlling the controllable things. It was, I did a ter terrible job. So once one bad thing happens on 11, you know, 
I just, it wasn't that I went negative. It's just that I was over it. I was very much over it walking right. in that drop circle on 11. I just did not care anymore. I was just like, man. And now it was one bad, you know, swing or one bad hole. I, I didn't hit it well to start that day, but I was holding it together. But it's just like, I didn't, I didn't have any of that fight that last day to like piece together. I just was sick of golf uh, at that moment just because I, I let Saturday get to me too much. And that's the interesting part. So I don't know the answer to it, but I would say that a lot of it is from uh, more prep before the day would start that rather than, um, you know, letting it sneak up and bite you, I guess. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard for you because you're expecting to go out there and do something good every day. And so yeah. when it's not great, it probably is very frustrating. I also wonder sometimes like I'm watching that on Sunday and you're not really on the hunt. It's a WGC event. You're going to get a pretty good check no matter what. You're kind of floating, right? You're kind of floating on the leaderboard. I do wonder sometimes as I'm watching, I'm like, it's probably hard to find motivation here. You know, I mean, it it probably at times as a pro golfer, you probably do feel like you just are ready for it to be over, you know? And I mean, I'm sure when you finish, you wish you wouldn't have thought like that, but I'm sure it's human nature for especially late in the season. Yeah, see, I, I agree with that and I don't. I was listening to No Laying Up and talking about like the Olympics and what, why would you, you know, if you're in 30th, why would you possibly care? Like it must be so hard to find motivation. You're an athlete, but there's, right. yeah, but there's world ranking points too, though. Like, yeah, okay. I don't know. So like, that's what I was thinking. I, if I stay in the top 50 by the end of the season, I get in the masters next year. If I, if I uh, stay, you know, 26th place on the FedEx cup, I, I get into uh, East Lake this year and like all those things that come with it. So there, I, I don't, I think there's always motivation personally. Gotcha. I think you're fighting that at, at in all the same ways where you shouldn't think about that too much, but you need to keep it in your mind when you're playing bad. And yeah, to your point, if I wish I could have gone back on something, I wish, I wish, especially that Saturday, uh, I would have like stopped myself at some point on that back nine and just been like, you know, if you shoot three over, that's better than four. And maybe right. that point will help you get through. And I did such a poor job of that because I just like over, was overwhelmed with how annoyed I was with myself. So it's like, but that is, that's really hard to do. But I do think that a lot of that comes from like stems from uh, preparing for that moment. And I, I don't know exactly how you do that because that is a negative thought that you're going to play poorly at some point, right. but it's also like a realistic, realistic point yeah. of view. Is, is there somebody on tour that you envy in that regard? Is there somebody on tour that you look at that has an unbelievable attitude if it's good or bad? Web DJ, um, Peter Malnati, uh, even watching JT. I mean, he was really mad. I, I'm, I'm cool with being mad. Like I was really mad on, on Sunday afternoon, but I was never negative and I'm really okay with being mad. I wish I wasn't as much, but I was, I was very much more okay with Sunday than I was Saturday. Saturday was the opposite. So you watch people like DJ and Webb, and they're very enviable because they don't show any emotion ever. They always look pretty happy. I don't know if I'll ever I hope I could, but I don't know if I'll ever get to that, but I would, if I wasn't going to get to that, I'd like to be JT who just seems like he's pissed off, but it's not like the world's crashing down. He does a good job of that. That's good. That's good. Well, Sanders go. good at that too. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was great. I was just interested in the, in the two. I, I, I can only imagine like for somebody like you, it's, it's a C it's a seasonal reset, like three times in the season, you know, yeah. because you had the major championship run kind of after the early season run, which is your, I would, I would argue is your probably your favorite part of the season. You know, that, that first probably three months where you get to play a lot of the places you like on golf courses and conditions you like, and now it's kind of resetting and finding more things to play for. And, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I dude, I mean, I, I read this stuff from golfers, especially more than any other athlete in the world. You know, when you're reading clippings and you're reading these, you know, quick quotes after rounds and certain players talk about how they're, 
they're they're trying to not be content, you know, because you've had the best season of your career, yet you've got to find a way to get motivated for the remaining whatever four or five weeks coming up, you know. I think what was good about the week was um, it, this season's been really long, and it has just been a lot of golf, and it's been awesome, and it's been bad in certain areas. But for the most part, obviously, it's been the best season of my career. I'm getting really close to things. I'm getting annoyed by things that are so much smaller than my old problems. I get that, but it's definitely been a long year, and I've wouldn't say I've lost. No, I would. I would say I guess the easiest way to say is I've lost a bit of like the fire and the motivation just because it was. I've played a lot of events that haven't really been in the mix. I've played okay. You know, when you when you play Detroit and you're in third, second, you're really excited to play, and then you get off to a bad start Saturday, and the way the scores are, you just know you're not going to be in it. Now you get motivated and, and you finish your best. You know, where we finished 25th place, like very respectable week. But um, that fire, it's almost like after you win, it's like a little bit of a letdown because every time you don't win, it's just not the same. You have rounds like I did at Valspar where it was the most exciting Saturday of my life, and when you don't get that a lot, it's like you're not being stimulated enough. So you kind of run out of steam in a way with the motivation and what should I go practice? And, you know, maybe I could take a couple of days off or this and that and, and, and stuff that you need to do, you need to take time off, but you also need that fire to burn. And what's good about weeks like last week was I, I, you know, I'm on that plane Sunday and I, I wish it was still light out. So I'd go practice. And yesterday morning, I wake up really early and practice all morning and sweat and enjoy that. And like getting back to like that pissed off, you know, get to work type attitude. And so that's where those weeks are good because this is the time to do it. It was kind of like last week was a no harm, no foul. You know, I could have made up some ground. I uh, didn't lose any, um, everything kind of stayed the same. Uh, it was a blah week all in all, but I, you know, again, it's the thing we always say, you only fail if you don't learn from what you did. And I know what I did wrong, both physically and mentally. And I'm excited to go kind of correct those things and get ready for the playoffs. But now, you know, it's fun. Like, you know, yesterday I got to grind all day. We, you know, practicing putting again in my, like in my living room. And then today I had work uh, stuff all day, worked out this morning and like full day, but like I'm itching to go, you know, bang some golf balls and go to work today. So it's like, you get that little bit of buzz back, um, that I think, you know, I personally have always had a need, but when these seasons, man, like they, they drag, it's a lot, it's a lot of golf, it's groundhog day. And so at times you kind of go wave in and out of like, Oh, you know, cause when you, when you have your back against the wall, you're always, you're always on go. You're always ready to do something. You're always excited to go practice or at least excited to like go try to get better. And when you're playing really well, sometimes it's easy to be like, all right, let's take a breath and like enjoy today and like just be happy. And it's like, that's good. Like you need that. Mark has been telling me, I want you to chill out a little bit and like enjoy yourself. But what's fun is all that enjoy myself is over. And I got the pissed off back, I guess. And like, so you, you do find that motivation, but it's tricky. It's a fickle thing. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how everybody does it. I don't, I'm sure everyone does it really different, but um, you know, right now is a good time to kind of get that fire back because the playoffs are really exciting, man. It's a fun, it's a fun time to play golf. Yeah. Uh, last thing uh, on Sunday, I'm going to uh, a place, um, abandoned dunes. Have you uh, ever heard of this place before? I have. I just don't talk about it all the time. Like I've been else. to Bannon before. So um, that's, I'm going there on Sunday. So I just wanted to <laughs> I let hope you know you, that. Are you going to play the par three course? Yeah. Okay, you need to make a home one because oh, I God. feel like of all your predictions you've made, that was on my twenty twenty one tweet. You need, this one needs to come out. I don't know. It's I, have, time. I don't know if I've. I would. Can I say this? This last thing on the uh, on the Connecticut Open. This is a positive <laughs> note to leave on. 
I don't think I bogeyed a par three, and I think I played him uh, two, yeah. uh, two under for the week. That's so, pretty good. I'm I might be Colin Morikawa in a 37 year old um, lefty body 37. Down. I mean, you guys both make the ball fade. <laughs> Yours is his, just the his, Spanish fade. His, his is a little tighter. It's a little uh, tighter. Hey, have a have a great. Uh, you're having off week, so have a great off week, and we'll catch up. Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll we'll have one next week after Bana when I get back. All right, thank you. Thanks, everybody. I'm going to do a quick shout-out to Calvin, the guy kid who helped me make my shoes this week for St. So Jude. Good. It was what awesome. Were, what were they? Uh, the foot joys we had, chicken nuggets, french fries, two of his quotes, my favorite number, his favorite number, and some palm trees on them, and a football. It was rad. Uh, so I uh, thank you. Uh, thank him for that. Uh, thank you, everybody, for following along with the birdie thing for St. Jude and Alzheimer's Association. That was great. 42 birdies, if you didn't see on Twitter. Uh, and, yeah, everybody wash your hands. Have a good week and, uh, you know, zero dark 30 or whatever. I don't know. I'll see you guys on Twitter, I'm sure. He'll be, he'll, he'll be on Twitter. <laughs> I got I to gotta go donate. What was the number? 42 birdies. 42. All right, I got to go do that right now. We'll be back next week. Thanks. Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.